in a twist. This movie, one might actually say that it is very modern or it was modern. It was modern for the time that it was written. Yeah, because of her character. Yeah, and that's probably why I like it. <laughs> Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast, where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle. And now your host, Robert Yannis Jr. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. On this show, we democratize the film criticism conversation by bringing on fans and critics alike to dig into their personal con- personal connection to a current or classic release. This week, we're talking the 1945 film Christmas in Connecticut, and I am pleased to welcome to the show Lori London. Lori, welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. Oh, thank you, Robert. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. So can you tell listeners a little bit, you know, I know what you have going on. I know that you're a children's author and all that, but tell people a little bit about Trippy the Fly, that book series, and, uh, and, you know, your plans for the character. Oh, great. I would love to. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm a singer, songwriter. Um, I'm uh, an author as well. And uh, my musical experience kind of lends itself to a lot of the things I do with the character of Trippy the Fly, who is a fly who cannot fly, sadly, but he's very plucky. He does not allow it to get him down. Uh, he can talk, read, write, dance, sing. He's very talented. But, uh, you know, he just can't do this one thing he should be able to do. Uh, I find this character, um, he's quite limitless. And uh, I do also do the voiceover. I perform voiceover of the character Trippy the Fly uh, on the audiobooks. Um, you know, Trippy was gifted to me. Um, I work for one of the uh, major airlines. And uh, one day I was uh, working and this little fly was kind of hanging out with me, Robert, and I'm talking to it because people who know me, I'm quite silly and I, I enjoy <laughs> being silly. And um, he kept going in and out of the airplane and just very quickly the flight attendant looks at me and she says, I don't kill things. And I said, I don't either. And I remember we high-fived each other, you know, we were enjoying the fact that we were nonviolent, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and right at the end, uh, he flies in the plane, the door is half shut, and she sa- she just kind of looks at me and shrugs her shoulders and I'm like okay so that's where he was born and for about a week later I was like why didn't he just fly there why did he have to get on a plane I don't Ah, get it you know and later later the thing came in it just came in my head like a thought and it was uh, well he can't fly well why not I don't know those are adult issues and then all of a sudden I was like oh my goodness could this be a children's book and now it has turned into a series Um, I'm very excited and uh, you know this but I'll tell the listening audience um, my lawyer and I would we had submitted to Nickelodeon about a year ago and there was some interest, uh, but these people, of course, you know, they want a cartoon short, and understandably so. But there was interest, and so, you know, I'm hanging on to that. There was interest. That's, so, yeah, that's um, something. Lo- yes, yes. So lo and behold, a year later, I have met all these wonderful people, uh, creatives that have stepped up and are helping me make this cartoon short, and it's pretty incredible. Um, I just finished writing the cartoon short. We've actually started filming, uh, so I'm hoping by fall we'll be able to have that short for Nickelodeon. So, yeah. Awesome. So what is the, what are the plans for the short? Is it just festivals, that kind of thing? Like, what are you going to submit it to exactly? Is it just to Nickelodeon oh, directly? This is, this, is, this, this is pretty, well, we have some other heavy hitters uh, that I've been introduced to as well. Uh, I, I guess it's okay to mention this, uh, Nickelodeon. Uh, we have a connection to DreamWorks as well. Okay, uh, okay. Two other people, which are very well known in the business are Fred Siebert 
and a gentleman by the name of Albie Hecht. Uh, and so these people are also going to uh, have the uh, film submitted to them as well. Yeah. So it's really great. That's amazing. <laughs> so, because, you know, just because I obviously am really in, interested in the entertainment industry, it's why I have this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you, is the short oh, sure. intended to be sort of a proof of concept for something down bigger, like a feature? And- Oh goodness, yes, absolutely, <laughs> okay. yes. As I, I oh, I could, I, I've got some serious things floating around in my head, Robert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely, I laugh when I, I just laugh when I start thinking about what goes around in my head. But anyway, um, yes, absolutely. I, I see this character, as I said, he's very limitless. Um, you know, uh, basically, here he is. He's a character who has wings. If we had wings. I don't know. I think I might go into a depression if I couldn't fly. You know, when I had wings, I mean, well, really, what is this about? Not, not yeah. only are not so, only but, do you have wings, you you're the type of creature that you are is literally called yes, to fly. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, come on. But 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 he has this unique ability to um, kind of look at the bright side of things. Yeah. It's not to say he doesn't get sad now and again, but he shakes it off. He's very plucky, and he looks at other things. He he's um, He's kind of like a sponge. He he wants to learn things, and he want you know if he saw something that looked different, he'd probably want to go up to it and know well why are you know let me let me touch you, feel you, let me get to know you, whatever you are. You know? Right. It, it, he's an inquisitive, curious. Uh, he's just a lovely. He's a lovely character. He really is, and he's adventurous. He's, he's got a a wild imagination for sure. And um, yes, the beginning of this cartoon short. Um, Actually, no one will know it except for the people that are involved in this, but, um, and without actually saying anything, it's hard to do that. Um, the beginning of this short basically alludes to the end of the series, uh, when he, he eventually does fly. I, I will say that he Spoilers. does eventually fly after, after he travels the globe though. He has to travel the globe first and visit all these cool places in far off lands, you know, and meet all these different cultures. And I mean, in the second book, uh, the first book is trippy takes flight, um, where he, um, is returning a library book because, you know, he can read, right. And he right. meets the great book and the great book tells him about all the cool places he can go, how to get there. Even if he can't fly, he becomes incredibly inspired. Half the 747, the Paris, France. And by the time he gets there, he's fluent in French. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, I'm a vocalist. I've been singing since I was a little, little person. Um, and uh, that lends itself to this because uh, the, the books, uh, they're rhyming and they have a tempo all of their own. And it's, um, they're fun. They're fun in that way. But musically, I mean, I went into the studio and did the audiobooks before I ever had a book in hand. So, but that, that makes sense to me because I'm a singer, you know, so it just, yeah. (laughs) Well, and the, and the thing too, is that you're, you know, you're describing his personality. It it does. I found that a lot of the characters that appeal most to children end up being characters Mm -hmm. that are basically like children. Like I'm thinking specifically of the, those minions and how they exploded and they're everywhere. I'm like, well, they love to eat bananas. They speak in gibberish. They like to run around and get in adventures. (laughs) They're kind of fearless. I'm like, that sounds like a toddler yes, to me. I have a toddler in the next, they're, they're, in the other room. So that's awesome. <laughs> that's 
<laughs> they probably love minions, I'm guessing. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. so, so yeah. Trippy sounds well, like another, he definitely fits within that. Yeah, yeah. Well, another thing, in the second book, where he visits Paris, France, um, he uh, we develop, uh, or I, it ended up developing, and I was noticing as I'm writing, I'm like, wait a minute, this is kind of a character development, something a little additional, uh, uh, a little addition, rather, to the first book, which was really more of an introduction as to who he was, what his problem was, and and how he is with it, you know, how he right. reacts to it. And um, the second book, it's more about the adventure, and it's his first real one. And But in that one, he daydreams. And when he daydreams, the cool thing happens in the book, and I can only, oh my goodness, in a film, this would be so cool. Um, he he daydreams and he remembers like what the great book told him about, for instance, the Eiffel Tower. Well, it was built for the Paris World's Fair of 1889. Okay. So, you know, he goes off in his mind and he imagines meeting all the cool people that were there. And I did a lot of research, Robert, to make sure to be as accurate as possible with what I was putting in, you know, in this book. Um, this book is over half the it's 58 pages i went a little crazy but but really I, I i make no excuse for that because it is what it is because in my mind it's always been film always always mm-hmm. always but it just you know it has to be a book it's available in four different formats i mean it's um it's on audible of course it's a ebook kindle a paperback and a, and a hardcover as well so for both books so yeah it's yeah. funny too because yeah. I think the the Paris one because how how I first came across you is my wife and I were at a Barnes mm-hmm. and Noble here in Tampa and you were oh. yeah you actually had the the standee for Trippy and we were with our daughter we were just like walking around the children's section there uh-huh. and she uh-huh. was of course drawn to the character design and then I think my wife struck up a conversation with you and uh, you actually mm-hmm. signed one of our one of our books and you that, that oh, copy you were that. There at the- we you were there. We were there, right? Yeah. See, that's that's. We were there right before. We were there right before the book reading. Like b- the book reading was going to happen. I think like thirty minutes after that, and we were like, "Well, we got to get our daughter home to nap," and because she was already starting to get kind of frantic as two-year-olds oh do. I I <laughs> am remembering you, and you said you couldn't stay because she had. Oh right. my gosh! Yes, exactly. How fun is this? Don't you love the universe and how I things know, it's work? So crazy. Oh my god! So great to meet you again. <laughs> <laughs> what a hoot. What a hoot. And I am so glad you didn't do this prior. This is so fun. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, that's well, thank what, and you again for having course, me on your show. Well, and that's when, you know, I, I get most of the guests I, I get for the show, I, you know, are connected on Twitter or whatever. So after we met, uh, sure. that time, which I don't know when that was last year, maybe early this year. I forget exactly when it, that was. It, it was, it was last year, uh, towards the end. I can't want to say August or something. It might have been yes, something because like that. I was with, yes, yes. Cause yeah. I was with my friends. Uh, yes. Oh my goodness. How funny. <laughs> I love it. I love this. So I, after that, I connected with you. Uh, I followed you on Twitter from my other Twitter uh-huh. account. And so I was okay, like, who else could yeah. I invite to the show? I was like, Ooh, Lori London, she'd be a great person. She has <laughs> a, you know, she has a book series to talk about, and and so yeah. Um, nice. So I thought you'd be a great addition oh, to this. Well, so, uh, but that's part of what this is great. What made me think about and bring you on the show, but also my wife is you know when we met 
and I'm sure people have listened to this podcast, uh, like a lot of the other episodes. They, she's been on the show and stuff. So she went. Mm-hmm. She went on a, a travel travels to China and then Australia. And we were. This was right before we oh, started well. dating. So uh, uh-huh. she, she quit her job and like went and taught English in China for a few months, and then that oh, ended up wow. not working out. Neat. So she went not, went to Australia and like basically like kind of lived there for like six weeks or whatever, and then came back, and that's when we started dating on Valentine's Day oh, of goodness. 2011. Aww. So um, <laughs> she's basically a long way long way of saying she's really you know she's a, a born traveler, and so I think she was really mm-hmm. drawn to like that it. to that aspect of uh, of the book. Of your of oh, your of concept, of, yeah, yeah, of uh, yes. you know traveling the yes. world and how those experiences can uh, can enrich you and help you grow and learning about other cultures and uh, having kind of a, an Absolutely. optimistic attitude about people and about all the the, mm-hmm. the world literally of possibilities out there and I think that's what really spoke to her specifically but you know us both oh, about the character and so yeah so uh, that's yeah I think that's I think you really hit on something. Uh, kind of, kind of profound in a way with that because I don't feel like that's a lesson really being taught very much. I feel like most people tend mm-hmm. to not really travel too far beyond their hometown or you know moving to another location. Yes, they don't really, true. especially internationally. So I think that that's a really great mm-hmm. message to send uh, to children from a young age. Oh, thank you, and uh, you know I'm going to give it right back to God because I I'm inspired at all time, not all times, but I'm I'm pretty you know I my mind the way it works uh, I, maybe I look at things differently I, I suppose I do I suppose I do um, but but yes I uh, you know I, I'm somebody who I've traveled a bit not world traveler you know right. I, I'm doing it in my mind you know through this fly this character but. Uh, but it gives me a lot of insight. I cannot tell you the amount of things that I learned from doing the research. Oh, I'll bet. Um, for, in, for instance, uh, listening audience out there and Robert, did anybody know this? I didn't. There may be some that, that did. But, but the, the real name of the Statue of Liberty, the Paris, of course, is uh, Liberty Enlightening the World. I mean, how cool is that? That's and when awesome. I read that, I was like, what? I never remember hearing that in class, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, things like that. And that's just one little thing, you know? Yeah. Um, the Paris book, the Paris book, I did want to say one thing that we're, we're kind of hitting on that. Um, there are, that's a special, it's a special book um, in the way that, you know, each book is going to be special for its own reasons, obviously, but, um, or I feel that they are. But like the Paris book, for instance, um, there's a scene where he meets the poodle named Pierre, you know, and, and he, they just love each other and they're discussing weather and sports and finance and just all sorts of crazy things, right? Music, you know, the arts, whatever. And uh, so he's leaving and he's on the boat and this particular, it's a, it's a two-page spread, I call it, but the constellation in, in the sky is is an actual Paris constellation known like in that area or something? I, I actually I give the credit to my uh, my illustrator uh, Heather Bonstetter, and she's a wonderful illustrator. And I was so fortunate to um, you know I was supposed to find her obviously, but uh, she surprised me with that. I kept saying, "Would you put some more stars? I want some more stars." And she's like, "Well, if I do that, then it's going to wreck the constellation." And I said, "What do you mean?" <laughs> so she would surprise me with little things sometimes. Times. And if it was something I didn't like, of course, she would, you know, it would change. But, right. uh, but yeah, so there's things like that. 
he's pretty limitless, as I as I said earlier. And you know, this is a can-do bug. You know, he doesn't he doesn't let stuff get him down. He does not. And I just finished. Um, I just literally, well, I finished. I it's been written already, but you know, there's always these little edits and things you have to do. But I wrote a song because, I, as I said, I you know, I'm a songwriter and. Um, I wrote his theme song. It's the Trippy the Fly theme song. And what I would like to introduce back into children's cartoons and, you know, whether or not whatever happens with this, uh, I see him as a, I see him as a movie. I see him as a, a TV show for kids. Um, you know, I see him on Broadway. I mean, a sponge was up there. Why not? Trippy? Yeah, you know, yeah, I just, sure. I'm going, I'm going for the gusto in my brain here. But anyway, this song, what I would like to see if you look at some of the iconic cartoons like Bugs Bunny and, you know, I mean, the list goes on, right? Mm -hmm. You had orchestrated music. You had jazz music in a lot of this stuff. And the song I just wrote has some definite jazz influences in it. It's very bouncy. Uh, there's a boogie rhythm in behind it uh, the, under the bass line. You know, I mean, it's going to be so cool once it's done. And at the end of the cartoon short, um, he will, uh, the music, of course, will start that I wrote for this. And uh, I'm going to get it put down, you know, and I'll be singing on it. Uh, whether or not that gets used at the end of the cartoon short or not uh, remains to be seen. But, but, but I'm real excited about the song because I haven't done any writing for quite a while uh, with regards to songwriting anyway. So, but yeah, that's really cool. I'm excited about that one big time. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he's so, a lot of fun. I'm, yeah. I'm, I really, uh, I admire the fact that you, you know, you have this character and you recognize its potential. And so you're just like, you know what, let's just, we're just going to go for it and committing to that because so many, so often creative people or aspiring creative people, and I'm obviously, you know, myself included, uh, have Absolutely. aspirations yeah. or ambitions for something, but we're like, eh, I don't know if I'm if that's really going to work or whatever. And so we sit on it or we delay on it or we have self doubt. And, you know, that's, I think I feel like mm -hmm. having self doubt and, and it's kind of a hallmark of a creative person in general. So I, you know, I applaud you for not only doing the books, Thank but being, trying to push it as far as you, you know, see how far you can take it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, and anybody listening to this, if, if you feel inspired from what I'm about to say, I hope you are, because I feel, and I mean this with all my heart, and I know, you know, we we know each other, but we don't really know each other, but right. I don't know anybody that's listening, but, but, uh, but um, honestly, I believe this with all my heart and soul. We're here to help one another. I can't tell you how many people have, have, have uttered to me, you know, I always wanted to write a book. I always wanted to write mm -hmm. a book. And I'm like, oh, okay, well. Um, I'll help you if I can. I'll, I'll tell you what I did because I self-published these books as well. Right. Uh, it's under Lori London Entertainment. It's an LLC company that I have for music and everything. So, so, you know, but you're right. People, you know what? <laughs> the only thing stopping anyone is themselves. And it's all, it's all, if you strip it all down, I'm going to go psychological here, but you know, <laughs> and, and it, it's fear-based. Okay. Yeah, and absolutely. what you have to be fearful about, you're fearful of being judged. You're feel, fearful of failure. Well, how do you know which direction to go if you don't ever butt up against a wall? Do you know what I'm saying? Exactly. I mean, um, I look at it like I heard this once on a tape I was listening to and I thought, oh, this is so profound. You're in a boat going down a river. Okay, well, you know what? If you're going upstream, maybe maybe don't try to fight going upstream. Take your take your oar out of the boat and let it drift the way it wants to go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> How about that for a, you know? So so honestly, 
you just have to, I know people say this all the time, oh, you just have to believe, but you also have to block out, and I don't mean this badly towards any of the people who are the naysayers, you know, but you have to surround yourself with like-minded people. It is so true. And you have to surround yourself with people who are supportive Mm -hmm. because if you're around the other, and I won't even go in, everybody knows what I'm talking about. If you're around people who are not, not supportive or they're naysayers, you know, you don't need that to use that extra energy to fight against that or to have that, that making, you know, noise in your head. You need to be around the positive energy people, get out, go to places that, you know, that invite this type of work. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah so, absolutely. So that's something, yeah, that's something that I try to do. But I, I don't know. I was gifted with a powerful sense of like, especially now that things are happening, of like who I am mm-hmm. and what I and what my and what my potential is. And you know, we're all gifted in so many ways. Even at my regular job, there's so many creative people. Oh my goodness, there's a couple gals that they're they're drawing. They're just beautiful. I would go to one of their art shows if they would have one. You know, right. and I'm always asking them, so have you, you know, because they have this desire to do it, but yet not doing it. You can't force people. You can only encourage them. I have a sister who writes gorgeous poetry. Um, you know, she recently went out and read her stuff at a poetry slam. And I was like, all right. <laughs> I was so happy to hear that. Because the funny thing was, she said people were coming up to her going, oh, how long have you been doing this? Because like, you're so good. And she's like. Oh, you know, <laughs> starting tonight, basically, I've been doing this yeah. for, for my whole life, but I've never, you know, never public, got out yeah. and done it. So I was so happy and joyful for her because, you know, here on this earth, we have so much time in, in these bodies. And why not? What What are you afraid of? Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's and, and, and see what happens, you know, but very important. Surround yourself with those types of folks that I mentioned earlier. That's the only advice I really have, you know, but uh, yeah. yeah, but I, I will not stop. I'm tenacious when it comes <laughs> to this bug right here. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's all I yeah. think it's also when then we'll get to and we'll get to the film here we're going to talk about. But um, I think it's also <laughs> oh, too. Wonderful. I think it's also too the uh, you know, people have excuses or they're just like it's hard to make time for things, which it is. I mean, you know, this of podcast is, is not my regular thing. Obviously I'm doing this, we're recording this on sure. a Sunday night and my wife and, and daughter are yeah. like elsewhere in the house yeah. and stuff. So it's, yeah. um, it's, it's all about finding time. And I think people feel like, well, how would I, how could I possibly start something like that? It's like, well, you have a break at your, at your current job, or you have, you know, a half hour, mm-hmm. 15 minutes every night, take for yourself to, yep. to do some writing or painting or sculpting or whatever your artistic endeavors. But yeah, I think Absolutely. it's really important to, yeah. to do that. If no, mm-hmm. if, if for yourself and, or, you know, even if you don't want to like pursue it as a career, just indulge your, your creative side because everybody has some kind of, uh, I feel like of most course. people have some yeah. kind of creative uh, outlet or aspiration of something that they want to do, even if it's just for that sense of mm-hmm. fulfillment within themselves. Sure. So. I want to, I would love to add something to that, yeah. Robert, if I could, um, for me, and I can only speak for myself, obviously, but I can remember asking myself this question years ago and it was like, okay, when did I last feel engaged? When did I mm-hmm. last feel really joyful? And, and, you know, I had to go back quite a ways and it was like, okay, so you get off track and you have to ask yourself that because I've asked people that, you know, friends or people that I work with are like, well, what makes you happy? 
I don't know. Like, I don't know anymore. And that's, that's not good, you know, and you need to find that again because it's there somewhere. It is. It's just been, you know, covered up, hidden, whatever, you know, but find your joy, find your passion. Um, and, and don't worry about what anybody thinks or says. And, and another thing, too, let me add this. Oh, my goodness. When you start asking people for their opinion mm-hmm. about what you're doing, um, hmm, how do I say this? If you're looking for adoration or something like that, I mean, that's okay to look for adoration, but don't have that be your guide. Right. You really have to be clear with yourself about what it is that makes you happy and gives you joy, and then and then go for it. And who cares what other people think or say? <laughs> oh my goodness! I mean, really? Yeah, it's know? almost like you want to. It's almost like I would understand <laughs> some creative people that just want to keep their project to themselves until until a certain point. Yeah, sure. Just because it could sure, it could throw off your mojo, just as you have that getting that momentum going uh, with your story sure. or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, I understand that too. Good, for sure. Good yeah. advice. Good advice, all. <laughs> I feel like that, that. I feel like we could expand on that and just have our own conversation, one conversation just about all of that. Totally. But maybe, maybe. Oh we my goodness! I can, another time. Yeah. Okay, I would love to. Let me know. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, this episode, we're talking about Christmas in Connecticut from 1945. So let's listen to a little bit of the trailer right now. Who said there isn't any Santa Claus? Look what I found in my stocking. (laughs) Heaven help a sailor on a Christmas like this. (laughs) This is the jolliest, merriest Christmas I ever spent. (laughs) Nah, nah, nah. It is so, so romantic. It gives me pimples all over the course. I'm as free as a bird. That's what you think. That was a little bit of the trailer for Christmas in Connecticut from uh, 1945, director Peter Godfrey. So, Lori, what, what made you want to talk about this film? When did you first see it? Actually, let's start there. Well, I love the black and white movies. I do, I do. Um, I don't know that I would categorize this as a screwball comedy, but, but it's, it's of that nature, you know. I'm a big Capra fan. I like, I like feel-good movies, uh, always have. I am a romantic, there's no question about that. Um, you know, when did I see this one? Hmm. I saw this one later in life. I didn't, this wasn't like among my favorites, you know, the, the, the Christmas movies, um, you know, The Bishop's Wife. Um, right. What's the one they play every year? Good Lord. It is a Kappa movie. It's a Wonderful Life. You know, it wasn't in there with those. I don't know. I probably saw this maybe 10 years ago for the first time. I do love Barbara Stanwyck, though. I, I really do. And um, she's in another movie that I, after I had picked this one, I, you know how you know how you second guess, you go, oh, yeah. oh darn, I wish I would have <laughs> asked him about that one. Um, she was in another one called that I love uh, called Ball of Fire. And if you've never seen that one, that's a wild, that's a crazy movie. Um, because what it had, and I'll just lightly touch on it because I know we're talking about this one, but... Um, <laughs> That one touches on slang, which I'm dealing with some 
slang, not dealing with, but working on some in my third book where Trippy goes to London. And so uh, perhaps that's why I find that one so crazy and fun. Um, there's a cameo with Gene Krupa. And I, it's, it's, a, you know, it's just a fun movie. Check it out. Ball of Fire. But anyway, Christmas in Connecticut. I love Christmas movies. I mean, I don't know. And again, I'm very much a romantic. I like Barbara Stanwyck. I also like Dennis Morgan. Um, I didn't know that he sang. And in this movie, he sings. And he's got quite the Irish-sounding accent there when he was singing. <laughs> it kind of came up a little bit. He yeah. sounded very Irish. Um, yeah, so that was kind of interesting. And I do like the song, too. I, it's got a lovely melody. Um, and I think one of the, uh, goodness, one of the uh, writers is Jerome, and I can't think of the other fellow's name. But anyway, but what what I like about this movie is I relate to it. First of all, she's a writer. Um, yeah. You know, sure, she's, she's, she's writing articles in a magazine, but still, she is a writer. And one of the first scenes that really I like a lot is where you first see her, and the camera is kind of panning in as she's writing about her toasty, warm, you know, the food and, and her fireplace in Connecticut and, and what you, what the camera is panning to is her apartment with a radiator and like there's clothes hanging on a line. It's obvious that she's probably in New York city somewhere mm -hmm. in a city building, you know, far from, uh, you know, a country home in Connecticut with the large fireplace. But, but I related to her uh, because of that and the fact that she's a writer and she's a, she's a woman, you know, making her way, you know, she's a single woman making her way. And, um, you know, um, but the funny part about this is obviously she's writing as someone else. Mm -hmm. And, uh, as you know, by watching the movie, as we go into it, uh, it turns out that the person that the article was written for the magazine, um, the, the person that owns the magazine, which is Alexander Yardley, that character, um, played by Sidney Greenstreet, you know, he's kind of a hard tack, you know, and he's kind of a bulldozer uh, personality. And he wants her uh, to um, have this um, soldier of war who had been capsized from their boat that got, you know, got blown out of the water uh, over for Christmas dinner. And so they don't, she doesn't have a house in Connecticut. She doesn't have a husband. She doesn't have a baby, you know, an eight-month-old baby. Yeah, the so, baby part so was, was really the beginning of the fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You know, it was boy and then it was a girl. <laughs> <laughs> what I liked about Miss Stanwyck, though, like whoever, the, the I shouldn't say whoever, the writers for this, her intended, uh, this, this man that keeps asking her to marry him and she keeps telling him no, uh, the, the character's name is John. I couldn't help but snicker like every time she was so insulting to him and she would just say it kind of deadpan, you know, her delivery uh, was pretty funny. And um, like there was one scene where um, he says, oh, are you saying you'll marry me? And she's like, well, do you think you can, uh, what, what was it? Something about, uh, you know how I feel, Don, you know, I don't would love you. you. Still, yeah, would you still goes, want me or something? Yeah. Knowing how I would feel. You still, or could you, could you wait? He goes, I could wait or whatever. And she goes, you could wait that long, like <laughs> it's going to be an eternity. And I thought that was hysterical. And then there's another scene when they do get to the house in Connecticut, which is actually his place, his far, he actually has a home in Connecticut. Um, 
when they get there where he kisses her and then he starts talking about his work that has to do with like plumbing and pipes and this and that. And she goes, when you kiss me, John, could you not talk about plumbing? And he goes, oh, well, okay, dear. What would you like me to talk about? And she goes, do you have to talk at all? <laughs> I don't know why, but that just cracked me up. And he's, he's, he's like totally, it's over his head. He has no idea, you know, yeah. So I, I did like that. But the part that killed me the most, that, that was so like funny and your ears kind of pop up. Did you notice that every time she referred to her supposed child, the baby, it was an it? Mm-hmm. I did notice that. It. It never was a boy or girl, but that was intentional. I mean, well, yeah. You know, oh, I wonder Based what it that, wants, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, and the thing, because this, this movie actually came out like summer of 1945, and it ended up still being one of the it year's did. most successful movies. I mean, it made $3 million, which was a lot in 1945. That, um, that is a lot in 45. And, you know? <laughs> um, and, and yeah, what I find interesting about it is that it, like the society in which the film, which the film depicts, obviously is feels very dated in a lot of ways. There, there are all the men sure. are just like oh, a woman that can't cook. How dare she? That kind of yeah, uh, right, right, mindset. Right, but it's, she, a, it's an it's an expectation. Right, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah that's what exactly. they did. The fact that she is a working girl right. makes her very different outside of the you know. So in a lot of ways. Uh, in that particular way, I'm not going to say in all ways because definitely not. Um, you know, there's a lot of similarity between women of of today, yes. but then there's a lot of things that are un- very unfamiliar of women of today. So we we talked about this a little bit before, but go ahead with what exactly. You're no, I was going to say it's <laughs> in a lot of ways that her character feels very modern because of that because she is. Yeah. Because, like, in 1945, this must have been, like, a high-concept comedy. A woman? What? Who is, like, a single working girl and just, like... Uh, yes. You know, just ha- and, has, and has, lives alone and has a giant, has mm-hmm. a, like a fancy mink coat d- d- delivered to her apartment. She's, and like, she's successful. She's yes, successful. exactly. Yes. She, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like, I like, I guess that's what I like about it. I like her strong character. Right. You know, I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. And Barbara Stanwyck <laughs> is so, is so good here, as you've mentioned with the, with the comedy and, and um, just as a, as a romantic lead, I, I, you know, she's one of those, like if you ask a lot of fans of classic cinema who their favorite actresses are, a lot of them will say Barbara Stanwyck because she had a lot of yes. range from something like this to something like Double Indemnity. Like she's has a lot of experience under her belt and she had kind mm-hmm. of an amazing mm-hmm. career. Uh, so it's, it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I feel like that a lot of like more casual moviegoers now don't really you know, she's not maybe remembered in the same way as someone like Marilyn Monroe or, mm. or other star, right. stars from around the time, uh, I guess, for I don't know whatever whatever reason that is. But, I, I, you know, that's part of why I like doing this show is to, to shed a light on some older films and like smaller films and things that some listeners might not be familiar with Barbara Stanwyck or her work or, or this film mm-hmm. in particular. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, she's so much fun right. here. And, and the film is... It's it's funny because I've only talked about one Christmas movie on the on this version of the podcast up this up to this mm-hmm. point, and that's White Christmas, which also is kind of starts with a war setting and then transitions sure. into a yeah. holiday thing. And I guess this movie does the same kind of thing because because when it, it starts, you don't meet Elizabeth until I don't know maybe ten minutes in or something because you're spending all this right. time 
with uh, with Jeff and yeah, uh, Dennis with Dennis Morgan. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. And and his, and, and his food his food issues and not being able yeah. to keep stuff down because he he had starved on the boat when they were out at sea. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And then yeah. So what happens with that is that. These, the him and uh, one of his fellow sailors are, are stuck on a raft for I guess it ended up being like eighteen days or something out when all of a sudden died. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and they're in the hospital just like recovering and so he kind of like gets into a relationship with one of the nurses so he could get good food, I guess essentially. So and he that's can his get motivation. Food. I mean, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what is that? What is and, and it's it just the guy's face. I guess because of, he, he has kind of a comical. The friend he has right. more of a comical kind of look to him. And um, what did he call it? He called uh, the old magoo. Show her the, Gotta use the old magoo. The old magoo. Yeah, yeah. I took a note of that. I was well, like, oh wow, okay. Old magoo. <laughs> I never heard that. I was like, that's different. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, that's it. it uh, oh, and then the part of where the nurse, um, right. the one who he kind of sort of is engaged to right and then she ends up marrying the friend the old magoo guy at the towards the end and then you meet Um, mary early on and then i actually kind of forgot about her so that when she shows up later on you're just like oh wait oh wait i forgot she's still a thing (laughs) they need to resolve that too yeah you need to resolve right exactly yeah 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 I married, what you call him, Stinky or Stink, Stinky? Something like Sinky. That. I think his name was like Sinkowitz. And so, yeah, so she calls oh, him Sinky. Yeah. She has nicknames for everybody. Stinky. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah, you don't even meet uh, Elizabeth until like 10 minutes in. So it almost feels like it's going to be uh, his story. And then it just like drastically shifts over to her perspective for pretty much the rest of the movie. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I really, yeah. I really, uh, you see... I haven't seen enough of these classic films, especially the romantic comedies, but this really puts uh, in uh, a better context, something like you've got mail or something like, you know, some of the more, the more recent, more modern comedies that Mm -hmm. are like the mistaken identity. And like, then you'd mentioned the screwball comedy aspect of it. I definitely think this is part of that. I mean, like we said, the the man's, the man's motivation is food. Uh, and then it's like this whole thing, this whole thing, like everybody's putting on airs and she's running around pretending to know how to flip a flapjack and what gender right, the baby right. is or isn't depending on. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole sequence where the baby is in air quotes kidnapped oh, and, so, and everybody's freaking out. So and, oh, God, he, so it was ridiculous that he, he swallowed a watch. Like how would a right. baby swallow a watch? And that was made up by the, by the wonderful, um, oh God, I'm going to mess it up. Is it S-K, S K? Wait, S K Z Sakal, I think S Z S Z Sakal. Yeah, he was who's been who's been in tons of movies. But that whole thing with the watch, he he of course made that up, you know. Right, right. But yeah, yeah. But I love his. I believe is he a Hungarian actor? I think he was. Yeah, I believe so. But yeah, he's he's a good, great character actor. Yeah, I've seen him in many other. He was probably immensely. He was probably honestly the kind of the VIP of this movie for for me in a lot of ways because he was driving. It always felt like Felix was one step ahead of everyone else. Like he could tell that Elizabeth ha- had a thing for for uh, Jeff, or oh, like from yes. the first meeting instantly. Uh, the, the you know the mm-hmm. whole thing, and this is the other part of the screwball comedy uh, where that, I think that really comes mm-hmm. in is with the judge. Sloan is trying to John Sloan is trying to get the judge oh, to marry yeah. them like six times yeah. throughout the movie, and she keeps finding ways to <laughs> duck that. And it's just like, people like it, it, yeah, it's 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 kind of madcap at at, at certain points. Um, oh, and then uh, 
Uncle Felix is going to make the judge. Uh, he says, I make you martini. I make you two martinis. He goes, two Manhattans. <laughs> like, that'll do it. And then, oh, and then at one, didn't they make the guy go out the window at yeah. one point? Yeah, he's like, oh, a shortcut. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then the judge gives him the gives Uncle Felix the the card, and he like the business card, and he rips yeah. it up because he's like, yeah, no, that's not happening. Yeah. I, I have other plans for yeah. all these people. So he's yeah. Oh no, he, he was yeah. totally navigating, yeah. not navigating, but he was uh, what's the word? Yeah, he was uh, it's in, kind of matchmaker in uh, this whole this whole situation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. totally and I, yeah. I really loved the uh, the chemistry between Dennis Morgan and Barbara Stanwyck in this. Like, there are some really, really romantic scenes when they're walking around. And uh, let's see, I, wrote, cow, I took notes of a couple. The cow, the cow that the was cow. the first one. Yeah. Was the cow? Yeah. And mm-hmm. and they're they're basically like straight out saying, "Hey, I, we kind of like each other, but we can't do anything because." I'm pretending to be married <laughs> and he's, you know, right. engaged, <laughs> which we, I, again, at, at that point, I forgot that was even a plot point. I forgot also. Yes. I forgot about it too. Yeah. But I thought, you know, I remember, I've seen this movie many times. I, it's, it's one of my favorites, but I, I, I remember thinking to myself, uh, you know, thinking about the, uh, you know, our, our talk tonight. And um, I was thinking to myself, you know, back then that was probably pretty brazen, uh, dialogue or, mm-hmm. you know, the script being written that way, because I mean, she says, well, you know, is there a girl that you're thinking about right now? Yeah. Does she live on a farm? Yeah. You know, and then she turns and she goes, you know, and Oh, does she like animals? Yes. You know, <laughs> and then she says, um, uh, um, Jeffrey Jones, are you, uh, or Jeffrey Jones? No. Are um, you flirting with um, me? She says at one point, yeah, are you flirting? With have me? you ever kissed a married like, woman? Oh no. Married woman, right? Oh no, you know, you know. I'd like, I w- if I could, I would, or something. I mean, it was very, very, um, you know, out there for probably the, the time that this was written. Oh so, yeah, and now, of course, it's like nothing, you know. Well, and then there's other things that I'm <laughs> yeah. like, that's kind of almost like kind of uh, certain moments of almost naughty humor, like where he's like. Like yes. on the on the cow, and he's like, "Oh, a nice firm rump," and she's like, "Hey, what?" Like like things like that. Where I'm like, "That's yes. kind of almost almost not quite yeah. sexual, but definitely like suggestive yes. humor for 1945." It's very suggestive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's you know, it's not yeah. obviously in your face, but it's it, you know, you forget just how oh, how subversive some of these older movies can be with really adult themes. Uh, you know, we I, yeah. I recently my wife and I uh, just a few months ago we watched The Apartment, and I'm like, "Wow, this." like a giant part of this movie mm-hmm. deals with suicide, like a suicide attempt. And this mm-hmm. is, you know, 19, yep. what is it? 1960. I think that movie came out, something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think you, yeah. as a, as cause I was born in 83. So the, all these movies are way before my time. So I didn't mm-hmm. get a chance mm-hmm. to see a lot of them obviously growing up. So seeing them now, you know, you, you just have this image in your head of, Oh, those movies back then, they're so wholesome. And like, no, not really. And like, they're kind of, Risque in their own in their own <laughs> way sometimes. Kind of yeah, and and this I, movie had elements to, of that. Oh yeah, it had it had a healthy dose of it. Yeah, but honestly, the the cow scene was really that was the only place that I noted anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of it, was, but it was, you know, um, I don't know. The writing was uh, it, it was it was very good the way they did it. Uh, I did want to mention one thing though. What was for you? I would. Can I ask you a question? Sure. What of was course. the most absurd, absurd, absurd thing that you saw in this movie or or dialogue that you saw? I know. I know what I thought was like, and I don't mean absurd like I was offended or I don't mean anything like that. Just kind of you know screwball. 
I'm just curious. What oh, well, I really, I mean, we kind of already mentioned it, but it was the thing where the, the baby is all of a sudden like swallowed the watch and it's like, but it's blonde okay. and has teeth and it talks. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, this is crazy. We're like, like even, even like, earlier. How would she say? Yeah, how would you feel? What did she say? She goes, well, how would you feel if you just swallowed a watch? Or how would you <laughs> yeah, don't you think you'd be feeling, like looking that? different if you just swallowed a watch? Yeah, she... <laughs> Wouldn't you, wouldn't you become a totally different sex if you'd followed a <laughs> Well, or even earlier where he's like, she, she does, she, she mistakenly thinks that the, the boy, uh, the baby initially is a boy. She's like, oh, baby, his name is right. Robert. And she's like, what did you say his name was? And we're like, oh, Roberta. Like, it's a real comedy Roberta. of errors throughout. <laughs> the thing that I, I recall being pretty absurd is when, do you remember the scene where Alexander Yardley, the owner of the magazine, right? right? is talking to John, who she's supposed to be getting married to, the guy she doesn't love, okay? And he's talking to him about the smart housekeeping baby and that some other magazine, they're copying the Elizabeth Lane and, you know, it's it's an out-and-out outrage and, you know, but they just had another baby and babies raised circulation of the the magazine. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he's basically saying to him that they need to hit, that her and the fake husband need to have another baby to boost circulation for the magazine because babies sell. And I just thought, what a what an absurd, ridiculous thing for anybody to say to anybody. But that just goes to the character of this Alexander Yardley, Sidney Greenstreet, who played that so well. You know, by the way, I thought. And he's not he's from... Good, he's a, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I was no, gonna, I was just going to say he's a, he's a force of nature for sure, That his character. Yeah. Yeah. And in my research, I found that he played a lot of actually like heavies in, in movies. Like he wasn't... You, this, not, this is kind of a rare comedic role for... For him, I believe. For him. So yeah, so yeah. I, I think he does. He does a a great job, really playing into the the kind of uh, overblown like executive type. Mm-hmm. That's just like mm-hmm. you know all about profits. And I, I noticed a lot throughout. And I think this is one of the most obvious ways that the movie really points out that John Sloan is not a good fit for Elizabeth, even in addition to the fact that she doesn't love him. But and also like he's right. so focused <laughs> on his own on his own profits, on his own mission. Like oh, he's, he's all he's like materialistic. Hey, look, double, he's look, very, this is yeah. double insulation mm-hmm. on the walls. And like at a certain point, he's mm-hmm. just angling to get his own job under Yardley exactly. publications. And that, right. and that supersedes exactly. his interest in Elizabeth. He's like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. We're not going to get married, but I'm going to get that, yeah, uh, he's, <laughs> that job, right? Yeah, he, he, he switched up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I noticed that, too. <laughs> and, of course, then the getting on to the final scene where um, he finds out, you know, or, or actually it's Felix. Once again, it's Uncle Felix finds out from um, the, the, the nurse that she married you know, stinky, the friend. Right. Right. <laughs> and so then he tells, you know, um, the Dennis Morgan character. And then when he goes in there, uh, he doesn't tell her right away that he knows. And he's, he's, he's going back to that scene with the cow, with Makushka and the cow out in the snow. <laughs> and he's like, well, I changed my mind. I do kiss married women. And she's like, get away from me, you wolf. You know, it's pretty funny. It was good. It was a good scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is, it's a fun movie. It, it really is. is. And, 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 you know, it's more, I'm realizing more things about it and actually talking with you about it than just watching it. Uh, I, I even have more of an appreciation for it. Now, as far as like, you know, 
you had asked before, like, you know, does this movie still fly or still, you know, is it still, you know, well, I mean, there's many parts about the movie that into today's today and age, you know, would not be, um, you know, I mean, you could take, you could take issue with a lot of things with this movie, but that's not why I watch movies. (laughs) Me personally, I'm not offended by anything, you know, that I watched here with regards to, uh, I notice it, of course, how could I not with regards to women and their role and so on and so forth. But then you've got kind of the heroine and the, the strong female, um, role of the Barbara Stanwyck and she plays it beautifully. And so, uh, you know, yeah, I just, love this movie <laughs> there's also they're like i think one of the moments that i noticed kind of the the dated sensibility i think at one point yardley found, mm-hmm. finds out that uh that they're not married and and that they think right. that the baby is there so it's like you mean that baby is a no like as if having a baby out of wedlock is some like tremendous sin which at the time it was right. a much bigger deal than it is now so I thought one of, those, sure. one of the things I was like, oh, okay, that's supposed to. I got you. I see what you're doing, movie. And I think I, I think his character in the movie. I guarantee you that character was thinking, sure, it was what you just said as well, but it was also like how this would affect the magazine, right, and his, right, and yeah, his uh, standing and things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the smart housekeeping baby. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's like it's almost like the film is is about a a modern woman kind of invading this. 1945 man's world in that, you know, there's, uh, I think Alexander Yardley shows up and he's like, Oh, I'm looking for, you know, and he, he regards Sloan as, Oh, are you Elizabeth Lane's husband? And he, he doesn't like husband, being right. just being called that identified yeah. by, yeah, by his pretend wife, basically, especially in these days where you were Mrs. Such and such, you know, you were Mrs. Your husband, mm-hmm. you're Mrs. John Sloan. You're not, this one's not Elizabeth mm-hmm. Lane's husband. Your identity right. you're, as a woman is dependent on yeah. your, your husband. And that's um, kind of who you man. are. Right, right exactly. Right. Well, it also, it also delves into, uh, you know, as you mentioned earlier, she's a writer and it's the, the, the difference between your, your private life and kind of the persona that you put out there and how that's mm-hmm. the major conflict for Elizabeth, at least, you know, aside from the romantic uh, plot as well. That, you know, she doesn't want to, that, that's the image that she's created for, oh, I'm this, you know, she's created a, this image of a 1945 housewife who, you know, she has a column, right. but she's raising the kid and, and she's mm-hmm. staying in the kitchen like you're supposed, like a good wife yeah. is supposed to do. Like and, supposed to, but meanwhile, right. she's like, yeah, no, I'm just gonna, <laughs> I don't know how to cook. I don't even know. I don't know how to flip a single flapjack, although she pulls it off here miraculously. Thanks to some inter- yeah, divine yeah, intervention yeah. by Felix, I guess. Um, uh, <laughs> but she's what just like, do without Felix? yeah, so exactly. Oh, Felix is the hero of this movie. I mean, we sort of touched on that, right? Yeah. He no, nothing yeah, in this yeah, movie works out for anyone unless Felix intervenes, basically. Unless he's yes, yes, or he's watching, or he's you know, I don't want to say manipulating, but in a way, he kind of does manip- manipulate some of the situations so that things will work, right? But it all, but it, it all <laughs> sort of works out for everybody by the end to the point where you have that kind of, mm-hmm. that kind of, uh, I guess, I think it's Yardley, I think, like, oh, what a Christmas, like, kind of, uh, yeah. very, <laughs> com- <laughs> yeah, very comical, like, ending. And I, I think that it's very, it's very much, you know, it's, it's always fun to watch it. And you mentioned, liking feel good movies. This is definitely a movie that does yeah. not take itself seriously. It's it's not one of those comedies no. that has heavy themes or heavy like it's all very light and no. fluffy and, and and it's an easy yeah. it's an easy watch. So it, it I Yeah. Yeah, I can see why it is 
endured in, in the kind of the way that it has. And they actually did a, mm-hmm. a remake for TV in 1992, directed by Arnold Schwarzenegger, of all people, with Diane Cannon and Chris Christopherson in the, in the lead. So I was like, really? I don't know how that I got. I, from what I heard, it did not turn out particularly well. And I could, you know, I could. Wow. Yeah. I, I, do you I, the name up? Do, do you remember the name of it? Or I think it was Christmas in Connecticut, and they just did it in 1992. Because I had heard about that. Oh, I was like, I think they okay. did this for TV at one point. And I looked it up. I was like, yeah, they did. Directed by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Wow. Okay. Um, wow. And okay. it, I think feel like gracious. that might have been one of those, one of those just like cash in attempts. It's like, hey, you all remember this movie? We're gonna try and yeah. modernize. But I feel like a lot of these old movies that stand the test of time it's because they are timeless in a way like i i mentioned some like it hot earlier that that's a movie that a lot of the kind of sexual politics of that hold up today like pretty well like they're not it's it's actually it's actually a really smart satire about uh gender Mm -hmm. dynamics and all of that and i you know i don't think you films like that need to be remade i think if anything you just need people like us to talk about them and be like hey go check out this movie yeah. i know it's black and white and some of you some of you young people might not be into that but you know i uh it's it's definitely worth revisiting there's a lot of really funny stuff in in this film and i, I don't know how well it necessarily works as a as a christmas movie because it's not, there's not a lot that's like essential about the christmas aspect of it i guess just the kind of the mm-hmm. sleigh ride probably is the most obvious uh, use of holiday iconography i guess and there's mm-hmm. also like well, when, he was, the singing, when yeah, he was singing that's true the that's piano. True. she was doing the tree and yeah and but you're right there's not yeah there's not a, a lot other than that i mean really right. that probably are the, that probably is the two things well which is why in a way it made sense <laughs> yeah. that they put this out in july it was like hey christmas and maybe this i wonder how far <laughs> back the christmas in july concept goes because this movie was clearly <laughs> trying to ca- capitalize on that because by my research, it came out July 20th, 1945. So I think people were like, hey, you, you want to watch a holiday movie in July? We got it for you. Uh, but there's a, something. There's, wow. Yeah, there's a lot of really sweet moments in here that you, you see early on. Uh, as I mentioned, Lane and uh, Jones, like, like they, they have this instant connection. Mm-hmm. And she's, he's, mm-hmm. again, a, another thing that I really struck me is with the, how it's kind of ahead of its time as far as gender dynamics. She has no idea how to bathe a child. He's like rolling up his sleeves like, oh, I used to take care of my sister's kids. And he knows exactly, he's, he knows exactly how to care yeah. for the child. And I thought that was interesting too. Yeah. Yeah, this movie's a lot smarter than I even realized until we have been talking here. It really yeah, it, it's a lot smarter. And, and, and again, I'll say it again, you know, it probably of its time was, you know, not an edgy movie, but you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, doing things that weren't done. And I applaud that, you know, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. 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 There, and there, there's, there's the baby moment. There's another with the piano moment. There's a few moments where she's, she's looking at him and she's really, you know, you, see, mm-hmm. you can see, you can feel the emotion in that in those scenes, and you the, totally the chemistry is they, really they palpable. Played, yeah, they played well together, and yes, the chemistry was definitely there. You know, casting. I've always said this, and I'm you know I'm not a filmmaker, but it is huge. It's huge. If you don't get the right casting, you could have the best script ever, and <laughs> it won't get pulled off because mm-hmm. you don't have that marriage of all the essentials that are needed you know, to have a great film. And yeah, this is, this is uh, one of my favorites. I have many. If you ever have me back, Robert, oh, absolutely. I would love, 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 love to talk to you. Uh, and we could discuss ball of fire because that movie, 
again, I'm bringing it up again, but it, it's just, it's got so much comedy and craziness in it, but the slang, the use of the slang and some of the slang we still use today. Really? Um, and, and basically these guys are, they're a bunch of professors and they are, um, putting together the first encyclopedia. Okay. <laughs> and so they've been doing this. They've been at it for like nine years and, uh, they find that they've been in the house too long or the, 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 the character of Gary Cooper plays opposite uh, Barbara Stanwyck in this movie. And I love Gary Cooper as well, but he, uh, he realizes when the milkman comes to deliver, you know, the milk that, he goes, that man spoke a living language. She goes, I just embalmed a few old dead words. He goes, you know, by being in this house for so long, I've lost, you know, he's lost sight because he's doing a special section on slang in the encyclopedia. So then that brings him out to the live venues where he meets the character of Streisand, who um, is singing in a dance hall. And actually there's a cameo with Gene, Gene Krupa, who was, a fabulous drummer and uh it's just a fun fun film and i would love to do that one if you if you ever have me back yeah of course of course (laughs) (laughs) of course absolutely um just like a couple more things on christmas in connecticut that i wanted to mention one well i I, yeah the the flapjack flipping thing which we touched on i also noticed not only not only how hard that she she kind of fell for him way like before he even realized that he had feelings for her i think in a way because as soon as so he, he comes yeah. in, she's like, oh. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, she well, has, they just stared at each other. Yeah, for like a like minute. And Sloan is like, hey, yeah. guys, yeah. right here. Um, <laughs> wake up, wake up. But yep, so, yep, so yep. she's like, no, 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 I don't want to flip a flapjack. I'm not feeling up. I'm not up for it. Let Nora take care of it. And then until, yeah, until yeah, yeah. Jones asks, and she's like, oh, well, now I got to. Because I have to. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to disappoint, disappoint him. And uh, so there's that. You know what? I didn't catch that. Yeah. I didn't catch that. Oh, I was really keyed in on their, on the chemistry there uh, with the Mm -hmm. two of them and how that was developing. Uh, What else? I really, I really like (laughs) the, uh, there's this, there's this, um, like a statue or something that she keeps picking up because (gasps) she's like ready to, to she's like ready to snap. She's like, yeah, all the deception I think was like driving her mad. (laughs) And it's at a certain point, she's just like, screw it. And she smashes it. And then I think a few moments (laughs) later, uh, you know, she says goodbye, whatever. And then she comes in, she has the whole, I'm tired of being pushed around. I'm tired of that. Which again, we were talking about how she's such a modern woman in 1945 for a woman to she say that. Him off. Yeah. That was great. Him off. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, it was great. It was a great moment. Yeah. 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 She, she was being nice and now, no, done. Boom. Exactly. <laughs> and then she tells him to leave the room and, and for her to, with him being such a, in, in, in many ways, kind of a little bit of a bully, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, but but I, I don't know. I wouldn't say bully. I, he's just such a he's just such a force, you know. Right. He's just such a. But he does kind of mow you over. He doesn't listen. That's for sure. When you're trying to tell him something else, and um, I think that's why she snapped, you know, mm-hmm. and she just kind of went off on him. And yeah, but you're right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she owned she owned it. Mm-hmm. I, I love the movies the movie's version, which I mean, to me feels like the, the correct version of feminism anyway, which is, you know, you don't have to yeah. be a, ma- a mother and wife. You don't have to be a working mother. If you want, you can do all of it. And that's ultimately, I think where the kind of the right. movie ends up is that she's been focusing. And this is a very, obviously very common thing 
in romantic comedies, you mean from the 90s to now to all that stuff, like the sure. career woman who just meets the right guy and all of a sudden, you know, she's falling in love and she doesn't know how to balance the two worlds. Like that's a very common trope. And I think this movie is, mm-hmm. you know, an early, an early version of that archetype in action. So by mm-hmm. the end, she falls in love with Jones and it's, it implies that they're mm-hmm. going to get married, I guess, sometime in the very near, right after the credits mm-hmm. roll, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, mm-hmm. the idea that she will then continue being successful as a as a you know working woman as a writer, but then also have have her husband and then have a kid if she chooses mm-hmm. at some point. So I like I like where the movie ends up in that she has she kind of takes ownership on her life uh, in in a more concrete way than she did at the beginning of the movie. It's kind of her arc, I guess. Oh, oh, absolutely. And um, she would have sacrificed and given up, obviously, had she married uh, the John Sloan character. But I want to bring up something that you just, uh, the fact that she's an author and she's artistic and she's, you know, doing her own thing, uh, being, you know, a modern Millie, if you will, in a, in a, you know, a different kind of a world at that time. But if you remember uh, the the Jones character, um, he is an artist and a painter. Do you remember when he said that to the nurse? Mm-hmm. She was talking to him about getting married, and he was kind of trying to back out. He's like, well, you know, as an artist and a painter, I've never really had a home, you know. So I like the fact that he's an artist and a painter, and she's an author. <laughs> and yeah. they all kind of artistic. So, yeah, it's like perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's I true. I've forgotten about that. That, that is it... an el- element, an element of that, yeah. Yeah, it makes more sense. It, 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 the movie, in a in kind of a subtle way, it lays the groundwork for why these two are such a good match, that they have similar sensibilities yeah. as opposed to, I mean, we talked earlier when we were talking about Trippy the Fly, about following your passion and things like that, and that's very much the yep. way she is, and that seems like that's very much the way he is, and we don't really get a sense very right. of his life pre you know pre entering the war so i think just that's that one line is kind of most we gotta and well we see him play the piano too so obviously he's creatively inclined oh that's right he sings and he yeah. sings yeah that's so right. he's that's a right. renaissance yeah. man so he's an artist a painter he's a renaissance man yeah Good. <laughs> i love it elizabeth well, elizabeth like lane like got hit the jackpot basically yeah for sure it's funny um i i i had put together a picture book um uh, for trippy and um in one of the quips, I said something about him being, uh, we took pictures at one of the art institutes and uh, was my photographer friend, Don Pointer. And, um, uh, I said something about him, you know, he really loves all the paintings and statues and he's a real Renaissance bug. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, you know what? I, I'll tell you, I never dreamed um, with regards to the you know the writing and everything, I never dreamed I would be doing this in a million years. Right. Um, I write, I, you know, if you asked me a few years ago, well, no, I'm I'm a singer songwriter. I don't, you know, I'm not. And it's like now to say, oh, I'm, I'm an author. It sounded strange initially, but now I'm more. I've I've kind of gotten into it more, and I'm like, oh yeah, I am an author, you know. But but I was always a singer. I I as a kid, um, my dad was a promoter. Uh, in the Chicago area for many years uh, for country and Western music. And um, well, we didn't even touch on that, but I, I, um, I was like 12 years old or 13. I was opening for uh, Marty Robbins and people like Loretta Lynn and, uh, you know, Mel Tillis, Conway Twitty, people of those iconic country and Western singers. So my background 
has been stage and singing and music and songwriting. You know, um, I feel very blessed to have had those experiences and I still love to sing. And now and again, if I can do a concert or something, I, I do. But, uh, but right now, it just seems like um, Trippy the Fly, he's just... Um, it's pulling at all, all sides of me. And so I'm going with the flow of that. And, um, and that's funny. I actually sing in the voice of Trippy the Fly. I, when yeah. you mentioned that earlier, I was like, <laughs> I bet that's in the voice of Trippy the Fly. I bet that's how, how that song goes. <laughs> it's, it is. Are you, are you, a, are I, you, uh, I, I sing, but he has a, he has a section in there where he sings. Yeah. <laughs> Are you willing? Are you willing to do any of his of the voice of Trippy the Fly? Now that you brought it up. Well, I could, sure, yeah. Let's see. Hmm. So, Robert. So, um, if I was going to say hi to you in the voice of Trippy the Fly, uh-huh. uh, I, you know, he has like this thing that he does. There's a word that he says, like when he's really happy about something or he likes something, and he'll just he might just come up and say the word brilliant. That's how he sounds. <laughs> Nice. Hi, Robert. Hey, Trippy. <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I look forward <laughs> to your to that's your not short. Ex- that's not exact. That's not exactly it. I'm I'm sitting here. My throat's all dried out. That's not the perfection, but it, right. that's close. <laughs> yeah, that's well. That's like one take. <laughs> anyway. <away>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do we? Uh, do you have well, anything else about Christmas in Connecticut that you wanted to mention before we start winding down? Yeah, um, it's just, it's a nice movie out there, folks. If you're listening, um, the, the audience that's listening, um, you know, maybe you've had a bad day, you want to lighten your mood, pop on Christmas in Connecticut. There you go. I actually think, too, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Part of, part of why I like to have the, the guests select the film is that I think, you know, you can find a lot, you, I think you can find a lot, learned a lot about a person by learning sure. what, what kind of, art they're into so what what kind of music they listen to what kind of films they're drawn to Mm -hmm. and i think the fact that you know we had kind of two conversations here one about you following your passion uh with trippy the fly and then the second about this movie about people essentially following their passion i think there's a very you know obvious kind of parallel between uh between the way you live your life and the way that elizabeth lane is you know she she doesn't want to fall into being the the housewife of the success, su- successful businessman, she wants to she wants to be with the man that she feels drawn to. She wants to do her you know do her writing and 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 be creative and follow her passion rather than just be like, well, I'm in 1945, so I guess I have to just stay at home and do the dishes <laughs> and change the diapers and that kind of thing and and flip flat and flip flat <laughs> do the flapjacks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So I, I think that's and hope, uh, and hope they don't hit the ceiling. <laughs> God. So um, yeah. So I, I think that's you know it's kind of an interesting connection between the two. And I wanted to say thanks to you for bringing this movie to the table, literally, because I hadn't seen this one before, as I mentioned, uh, as I mentioned at some point in the recording, and um, mm-hmm. this gave me a, an opportunity to go back and to ch- check it out and get that cross that movie off my uh, blind my blind spots. And uh, and I always, as you mentioned, I always, too, have the same experience that whenever I talk about a movie on here, whether it's something I've seen before or something I, I'm just watching now for the first time, I always get a a richer appreciation for it or, um, you know, oh, I always absolutely. see more yeah. from having this these like extended kind of critical analysis sessions with 
with mm-hmm. fellow uh, mm-hmm. cinephiles and things like that. So, so I, I you know, yeah. I, I think I, I agree with everything you said. I think people should definitely check this out. And I'm posting this with plenty of time to the holiday season. So people want to go and check this out, whether it's, you know, Christmas time or not. I mean, it's definitely a, a fun romantic comedy that I think holds up pretty well today as we touched on. Yes, yes, in, in different ways. And, and it is, I, I feel enlightened after having this discussion with you. And like you said, just kind of not debating it, but just sharing right. uh, different thoughts and, and feelings about it. And um, I, 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 feel, um, I feel a little enlightened with regards to, you know, I'm probably going to get off the phone with you and watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> Good, there you go. Excellent. <laughs> Robert, it has been so wonderful. What a joy. Uh, I've I've had such a good time. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. So, Lori, can you (laughs) tell people where they can find you on social media and keep up to date with everything that Trippy is doing? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. So um, I have a website. Actually, I've got two websites. Um, one is uh, Lori London Entertainment, and um, that is for the children's books, uh, the children's series. Um, there's video on there of me reading the first and second book uh, to a cardboard cutout of Trippy. I made my own little homemade stage <laughs> yes. uh, here in the house. That was a lot of fun. There are audio clips. Uh, from both books um, there are links to um, to where you can go to purchase the books which are available on Amazon uh, and of course Barnes and Noble online um, let's see Facebook uh, Trippy the Fly has over 13,000 uh, people following him so feel free to do that as well uh, Lori London I'm on Facebook of course um, and let's see. Oh, by the way, if you uh, Facebook Lori London, um, boy, I should really change this. Not the black and white picture. It's the colored picture. Okay. <laughs> That's so embarrassing. I have to change that. <laughs> um, so anyway, but Trippy the Fly's on there. I'm also on Twitter as Lori London 6. Also uh, Lori London 13 for Trippy the Fly. Um Instagram, Lori London, and uh, LinkedIn, uh, Lori London. So, you know, pretty much all of those social media places. We'd love to hear from you. Um, if you want to become uh, part of my email, uh, I don't send out too often unless there's an event, but you can go to the entertainment site uh, and send your email in there to uh, become a member there. And that's about it. Yeah. So pretty much anywhere, just type in Lori London and that's L-O-R-I, London like England and Trippy the Fly is spelled T R I P, like you're taking a trip, and then I, Trippy the Fly. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Lori, this has been an absolute pleasure, and I will absolutely have oh, you back you. on. I'll make I'll make note of Ball of Fire so oh, that, I'd love that we'll we'll schedule that at some point down the line, and hope maybe you'll have yeah. a, a more of an update on uh, on the short and how everything's going with Trippy next time uh, next time we talk. Yes, I think I will. I, I don't think I will. I know I will. <laughs> and uh, thank you again so much. And uh, I would love to come back on the show sometime. And uh, uh, just thank you. This was so fun. It's so great to meet you, Robert. Yeah, same here. Same here. Again, or meet, meet you again. Yeah, exactly. I think that's so <laughs> wild that we actually met in Tampa, Florida when I was doing and when I was doing a reading at Barnes & Noble. I can't believe this. That's so <laughs> well, wild. I mean, I didn't, necessarily, so I didn't necessarily expect you to re- even remember because, you, you know, you're sure you do a lot of those so you meet all kinds of people so i i but no i re, i there's something i remember i can't get a face mind you but i remember <laughs> 
talking to some people and they made the comment about having to get yep. their child home. That was you guys, wasn't mm-hmm. it? It yeah. was you. It was us. <laughs> That is so wild. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, anyway, thank you again. Uh, Very welcome. I, I am. Um, this, uh, it was so much fun. Thank you, Robert. You take care, okay? Thanks, Lori. <laughs> bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye. If you're interested in joining me on the show to chat about one of your favorite films, head on over to crookedtable.com slash guest. Or you can consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash crookedtable. Of course, you can always find more podcasts, reviews, videos, and other movie-related goodies over at crookedtable.com. Until next time, this has been the Crooked Table Podcast, and I've been Rob. This has been a production of crookedtable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of the little KED.